This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Her Vantage, and this is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. Hanai is a social impact healthcare technology company that aims to improve access to healthcare information to communities in need. Hanai has launched its first app, Jiwa Ibu, in 2019, which is available on the Google Play Store. And Jiwa Ibu provides healthcare information targeted towards women in rural Sarawak and Borneo. And Hanai themselves work to establish healthcare solutions for any community in need. Today with us is Shamala Hendrickson, founder and CEO of Hanai. Uh, good mo- evening to you. Very good morning. Selamat pagi, selamat petang to everybody. Right. Okay. Tell me. Uh, so I'm from Sarawak. So this is very interesting that you're doing this. But uh, before we get into Hanai, right, what is your background, Shamla? I am a Malaysian from Ipoh and mm. I... I trained in genetics and that's what I did like in the first part of my career, working in the laboratory. And then along the way, I figured just doing science as another female in science didn't quite cut it for me. And I decided to do additional training and became a medical communicator, which is essentially being able to talk about science very simply to doctors and also to the public. And that's where I then ended up wedging my career and then eventually moved to Germany and led like scientific communications teams there. And then onwards to work for the government of Luxembourg, um, much more at policy level, also looking at the intersection of healthcare, life sciences and public policy. That's right. That's what I did. And, and then I had like a bit of an aha moment when we did a four month sabbatical mapping the rural healthcare landscape of India. And I thought, why not do something else now? Why not switch gears, bring all that experience to do something else? Okay. So tell me the genesis of Hanai and what does it mean actually? Hanai actually means to take care of. It's 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 that's the meaning of Hanai in Hawaiian. I mean, given the range of languages that we as Malaysians would have access to, I somehow couldn't find a name that was pronounceable and usable across the board. And it was then a Hawaiian word. It means to take care of. And that's essentially what it is at the heart of it. We we aim to take care of communities. Mm-hmm. Um, the genesis of it, as the question you asked, it started, I had a ping, this aha moment of meeting up to like 80% of the women I was meeting in rural settings, be it in an African country or a South Asian one, they would never meet a doctor in their lifetime, up to 80%. These figures are different for us Malaysians, of course, but also up to 80-90% of them had simple mobile phones. So nothing novel there, bringing healthcare access through phones, but it's normally not targeted at rural or vulnerable population. But I had no technology background, so I had to then get that part of it going. And I joined a blockchain hackathon. Like, it was bizarre. Everybody else there was, you know, equivalent of 17 years old, all these very techie minds. But formed the team, formed the whole um, story to go with it, managed to get ourselves into some European incubators and got the show going. And the real thing that brought us into Malaysia, there's a little bit more to it. And I can tell you more if you're interested. Oh, yes, I am. Do tell. Pray tell. 
And I think, especially you being Sarawakian, this is something that should... So being, coming from West Malaysia, a lot of us, I won't speak for everyone and I'll speak for myself. And being West Malaysian is completely ignorant. I'd only known Sabah and Sarawak in this very sort of romanticized idea of these lovely places to go to, to go on holidays where there are very interesting parts of Malaysians who live there and come from there. That's where a lot of our wealth of the country comes from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this this idea that we have in the head. All of us who have had access or privilege would have gone to one or two of the larger cities, done all the holiday things, and that's about it. And then you would have met all the other Sarawakins with interesting backgrounds here and there across the world. What did it? Um, actually, it was March of 2019. I was sitting here in San Francisco, and I was pinged about... A documentary had been that had been made about a mother who had died in childbirth in mm-hmm. um, Lawas, mm-hmm. in Sarawak, and there I was going like, no, Malaysia, really, that cannot be. And so I started to dig deeper into it. So this is Kam Agong who died giving birth to her eighth child, and she had hemorrhage. She had kept walking back and forth to the hospital, and the doctors kept turning her back, and she died. And that just shocked me. Come, being coming from Malaysia, knowing we have extremely good maternal mortality rates, which sort of compete with some of the developed parts of the world, I couldn't understand it. And then I went on my big search, going down the rabbit hole. But it was very simple. I just had to ask on social media on Facebook. I said, "What happened? How did Kamagong die? Like, what's this? What's going on?" And just very serendipitously, and also just the magic of the global Malaysians, we all connected. And I was connected to um, Dr. Yolanda Augustine, who's old, already had been in the know about the project. And uh, that started it. I was like, here we go, Malaysia. I landed in Sarawak, uh, went to visit various various facets of society from the community health champions to Agnes, who's the daughter, first daughter of Kam Agong, went to this Lawas hospital where Kam Agong had died. Eventually, you know, ended up meeting and pushing my way through until I met. At that time, Hannah Yo was mm. uh, the Deputy Minister of Women and Family Development and talking to her about what about we get a digital product into the hands of women? Let's start with the indigenous communities that are out in Sarawak and Sabah. And that just picked its own momentum and went from there. We launched it actually in 2020. Mm-hmm. And right now we're in an interesting phase because we're redoing a few big things there to bring a lot more evaluation and KPIs. Okay, right. How does the app work basically? It's a, it's a free app for mm-hmm. anyone. It's on the Google store because it's applicable on Android phones. Market research show that, especially with lower and middle income, it's usually Android phones rather than mm-hmm. iPhones. Mm-hmm. It was built for that. It's available free. And the magical thing about it for me, who's the non-techie, but I want to call out is um, you only need connectivity one time. Like, so if you're closer to the larger city and near one of the towers, you download it and then all the content becomes accessible to you, even though you go away further into the rural areas. Because that's the other staggering fact right. about Sarawak. It's, you can be in a town like Lawas and just like have a certain circumference where you actually have connection. And the moment you wedge out, like one footstep out of it, that's it, you're out in limbo. So like, you know, the, all the hoo-ha about wanting to create digital products or wanting to create all these digital pathways, totally dependent on decorative 
you know, telco towers that are sitting all around the state. Mm-hmm. And so finding a solution that women can actually then use even offline. Thankfully, we have high phone penetration and literacy rates. So I'm working with good dynamics here. Right, right. How so? When you so they have access to this. When you when you look at developing this, right? What kind of information are they then getting? So we started, and this was also based on. Um, I know I sort of just like swept through that elaboration very quickly, but it all started with like very, very intricate discussions with various groups of people. So it was with one of the larger, to give you an example, larger focus group discussion sessions were like with up to 500 people, each one in groups of 10. They were midwives, doctors, nurses, you know, and the public and asking them about what were the the, the relevant information that they felt should come. You cannot do everything at one go. So what should we start with? And the mm. first call and what's available currently and about to change when we do the relaunch, it's is on maternal health, mental health, which was from the Malaysian Psychiatry Association, information on domestic violence, which we worked through the Women's Aid Organization and got content through them. And a lot of what we call Sumba Sumba Penting, important resources on essentially services that the B40 or lower middle income group people should be accessing, like all ISURI and all these things, which people, they're fabulous things um, set up by various government agencies, but people just don't know what they are or how to access them. So this happened and because we launched during COVID, then we tried to bring in even COVID relevant info and try to go deeper depths into the different languages that exist in Sabah and Sarawak. So not just sticking to Malay and English, but we did have content for that in Iban and Katazan and all of that. Trying to bring the relevance factor down. Right. I'm here with Shamala Hinrikson, founder and CEO of Hana. I will continue our conversation after this on Her Vantage, BFM 89.9. Backing female ministers. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. Good morning. This is Rita Liu. You're listening to Her Vantage. This is where we speak to women of influence and leadership. I'm saying good afternoon because Shamla is based out of San Francisco. And of course, uh, anyway, Hanai is a social impact healthcare technology company uh, that aims to improve access to healthcare information to communities in need, you know, largely focused in uh, rural Sarah and Borneo. And I'm sure the plan one day is to, you know, go beyond that. But um, even developing it would have taken quite some time. And how do you handle this with you being based out of San Francisco? Where is your network and, and the people that you work with? Good question. And I think it sort of falls into this era of, unfortunately, era of COVID, where we've all become really good about working uh, online and mostly. The team is is um, across the world. We, For instance, we've got Shreya, who's one of our top and best ever interns in the world, and she's currently based out of Malaysia. And then the team stretches out from the West Coast of the US to quite a number of members um, who are in Europe, um, Western Europe. And our projects are not limited to just Malaysia. We have quite a huge African interest that we're about to just start rolling out a project in Mauritania. We've got our fingers in a pie in Kenya. So we are all over the place for the most part, managing everything online. And we have not been, you know, 
been out in the field, which is very sad. Um, like the last trip out was when actually standing in the field out in Malaysia and finding out how people use their phones and what they're needed for. It's a huge impact. But to answer your question, for now, we are managing everything through similar settings like this, where you are able to talk to me from uh, Malaysia and me sitting in California and having this call. Similar. It has its challenges, but somehow or other, we're making it through. Right. And then uh, I'm also wondering, right, do you, you consider yourself a social impact company? It would, would it be a, it's a social enterprise rather than an NGO? Correct. We're a social enterprise, so we are for profit. And we there was a very specific reason for it. We didn't want to be just another player in the arena fighting for that very same pot of funds mm. that every other NGO was fighting for. So we wanted to make it into a sustainable business where we can hire and pay people on the ground or in different parts of the world. Or when we bring it into, for instance, into different countries like Mauritania, we're able to hire local teams to deploy and keep it a little bit like not so top heavy, so to speak. Right. And and what is the business model? Where where are you earning? How can you earn revenues? Sure, there are a couple of ways to it. The first one is where we actually charge a setup fee to the NGOs or social purpose organizations. So that's within their budget, or they want it to be part of their budget to increase their reach to the population that they serve. And very often, they're actually not doing it in the most efficient way or, you know, most efficacious way, so, or they don't get data back. Whereas having a team like Hanai come in and digitizing that whole process, so essentially like a white label of our product. That's first and foremost one larger way how we do it. We have, Up to now, we have never charged the end user anything to use the actual product. We also look at working with telcos so that there is also um, a way of getting a fee through them, through that partnership, because Mm -hmm. we then reach people that normally were not within their network. And now we're able to bring them further and further deeper into the rural areas. And um, not lastly, but the one that lastly is in part of what we do, and I can tell you what's the fourth one, but lastly in what we already do is also the, the larger advertising sponsorship that comes within the app. The data is something that we have not mined. We've kept it anonymous and that will be something we tap into once we have resources on our side on how to make sure we can do it ethically anonymized data mining. Right. And what sort of advertisers do you foresee? Interestingly, we've actually stayed away from healthcare advertisers altogether and we're looking at like uh, banking Right. So all of this and specifically also in Sabah and Strawa, we haven't done it yet. So this is what, you know, what I'm saying now, it's the aspirational part of what's going to come out with the stage two of the app. It's actually mm-hmm. looking at locally set up businesses and giving them the airtime on the app. So there's a lot of people started doing small businesses and they need an advertising space for that as well. Right. So there is uh, Hanai, the company, Jiwa Ibu. Is, is How does that fit into Hanai? Hanai is the large umbrella. Hanai is the, the, the company. And then the range of products that roll out in different countries, it's relevant in the right. language that is spoken in the country. So Jiwa Ibu right. is relevant in Malaysia. In Kenya, the product is called Imarisha, which also means to take care of in Kishwahili. Right. We have yet to name the product that we will launch in Mauritania, whether it will be a French name product or one of the other languages, we will see what happens. So Hanai has a suite of products. We have products A to Z. In Malaysia, it's J, Jiwaibu, yeah. And so you download Hanai though? 
you don't you download Hanai Jiwa Ibu. That's how it's called right now. You download Hanai oh. Jiwa Ibu. Along the way, Hanai will probably get dropped out of the name altogether. In the Malaysian context, when we talk to people, we actually only call it Jiwa Ibu because I think Hanai is almost irrelevant in that context. Because right. the people who brought the brought bring Jiwa Ibu to you, we are one part of it. We work with um, and the clients in that situation for Jiwa Ibu is, for instance, it's Summit. It's the St. George's University London Malaysia Medical Initiative. It's the University of Nottingham. It's mm. University of Malaysia. It's University of Malaysia Sabah. So these are all the players that have come together in the creation of that product, Jiwa Ibu. Right. How, how do you measure success beyond the numbers? It's, it's lovely to hear you ask this question because we've recently had two workshops to go through like what are measurements of success. Because Johanna, at the end of the day, the number of users is really, I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but really that's defined yeah. by the, the universities and health industry and who they want to reach. What we want to see is a translation of actual healthcare outcomes. How many people are making sure their children get vaccinated? How many people are making sure they they go and get their cervical cancer screening and are doing their breast cancer screening? How many people do we make sure, you know, in the long run, after a period of three years, five years, 10 years, the women who are dying in childbirth, are we actually seeing a reduction in the cohort Mm. of the users? Are we seeing people reaching for more mental health treatment after using the product. This is the bigger measurements of success that we want to see. Because our overarching goal is like, you know, at the end of 2023, to be able to say that we have improved healthcare outcomes. We're not just about gathering the numbers of app users. We need to improve healthcare outcomes. Right. And, you know, I guess like, what is the, the, the end goal or the vision for Hanai then? You know, at the end of the day, one of the earlier, earlier um, parts of this journey it was um, with a cohort of 3,500 untouchable widows in the south of India. And we did, we launched a hygiene program for them, a wash your hands. And it had to go away from digitization and become printable flyers. And at the end of the day, um, these women, some of them, they had these flyers on the altar of their house okay like together with where they kept their other statues of idols that they prayed to because that was how important hygiene had become to them in their family and I always say women because they are the ones who are in charge of bringing that healthcare across to the entire family the grandmother mothers they bring it across and that image always sticks in my head, which is why when, when I was answering a question, the overall, the overarching vision is not at all the number of people who do it. If, if we even say like one household, we have prevented the death of one child has managed to live beyond five years old because they took efforts to wash their hands, because they took efforts to feed themselves better, because they made sure they went and got all their vaccines. That is it. That will be what I want you know, me individually and us as Team Hanai, what we want to take away. Right. Of course, every life matter, right? And of course, people can get information from you at hanai.eu and that's H-A-N-A-I. Mm-hmm. H-A-N-A-I.eu and uh, drop us a line. We love talking to people. We love talking about new ideas, about new possibilities. And, you know, there's so much to do. Maybe right. you yourself, any one of the listeners might be interested in doing something. 
And if you think you don't have all the experience needed, guess what? You don't need to have all the experience needed. All right. Uh, all the best with the work. Uh, Shabala Hinrikson, founder and CEO of Hanai. You've been listening to Her Vantage BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.